for great-looking T-shirts, hoodies, and sweatshirts. The TNT Shop is now open at tntradio.live. You're with Hervoy Morich on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right. Hour two, round two, some U.S. North America news. That's where I'm located. Trump, this was interesting. Trump plans to reform CIA and FBI. I had on my podcast a while back, who I saw was on TNT recently as well, J. Michael Waller, who's got a fascinating history and fascinating book, The Big Intel. Big Intel, it's called How the FBI and CIA Became Deep State Villains. And this is the first time I experienced this, where I tried to leave him a review on Amazon, and Amazon censored me. They said, we, cannot, we can't submit your review. They gave the usual list. They were lying that I used hate speech or some stuff like that just reviewing the guy's book uh and i managed to submit a second time and they reluctantly uploaded it and then they said if you do this again i didn't understand if they meant they'll ban me from amazon or just from being able to leave book reviews their their amazon community uh so th th that's absolutely insane but it's interesting because michael waller was saying we need to do away with the fbi and dhs and restructure the CIA. And now it says Trump plans to reform CIA and FBI. U.S. spies have raised alarms about inexperienced loyalists threatening their jobs. Trump is likely to launch sweeping reforms of the U.S. intel community if he's reelected. Reelected, Although at the same time, I don't understand why they're uh, they're planning to build a new FBI headquarters that costs, what was it, like $400 million? I don't remember uh, the price tag. And so... Um, it says Politico interviewed 18 Intel officials, including several several former Trump appointees who later came out as his uh, outspoken critics um, and articles being published warning that the possible purge could undermine the credibility of American intelligence, this, this reworking of the Intel community. That's some good news. Also, this crazy, crazy article from the Atlantic uh, establishment mouthpiece, which says how Democrats could disqualify Trump if the Supreme Court doesn't, without clear guidance from the court, House Democrats suggest that they might not certify a Trump win on January 6th. But last election cycle, people, you know, there were these rumors, you know, the QAnon stuff where Mike Pence, they were urging Mike Pence to use some obscure clause of the U.S. Constitution to, like, not certify. I forget the details. So that was crazy conspiracy theory. But But if the Democrats do it, it's fine. It's fine. You know, I've told this story before. I used to teach at the Tech de Monterrey, the top school in Mexico where the millionaires send, send their kids. And I taught in the international relations department. And every year we had the international relations conference at the campus. And there were Mexican and, and, and foreign academics. And I was, at a, I was at a breakfast or a lunch with 20 of the undergrad IR students, one of the department people, and one of the speakers um, who was, I think, from the U.S., this this was just after Trump got elected. And they all said, everyone, except for me, everyone said openly, you know, we, we, we wish Hillary Clinton would have won. Even if we had to cheat to get Hillary Clinton in, that would have been better than Trump. And everyone agreed. And I was just standing there like in my head, what? So you leftist global global liberal leftist fascists and i'm not particularly crazy about trump you guys just admitted that 
you would cheat democracy to get your candidate rather than just accept the election organically as it happened and i'm like that's telling you know th th this is fascism it's like if hillary clinton won fair and square if biden won fair and square i don't care they're the president i'm not gonna say we should cheat to get trump in or, or rfk jr in or whoever um total total insanity um we've got also just some mexico news things are not getting are not great in mexico uh, wall street journal reports mexico's hugs not bullets crime policy spreads grief murder and extortion drug cartels have more towns and families in their grip under a presidential policy intended to quell gang violence by emphasizing public aid over policing i was in acapulco recently and i just had this feeling when i got to acapulco i felt that the cartel owns acapulco honestly like i felt like there was no law and order things were relatively peaceful and I think if you just mind your own business, you'll be fine. But I had the feeling that the cartel runs Acapulco. It is it is what it is. Uh, and uh, you know, here it says criminal gangs behind the U.S. drug epidemic are seeing accelerated growth, commanding greater control over more territory in Mexico, where they're largely free to murder rivals, neuter police, seize property, and strong arm municipalities into giving them public contracts. And President AMLO had got into. Uh, He's wrong on this one. I was arguing with my Mexican friends. He made a tweet recently. Amlo's, you know, the Mexican president, Lopez Obrador, Amlo, has, his, if you go to his tweet, he put a Statue of Liberty image and criticizing the U.S. empire and saying it's, it's censoring, it's authoritarian. And he's right on that. But he's complaining that YouTube took down one of his daily, you know, two to three hour, he does these like three hour talks to the public every morning, that they deleted it. He's right in his criticism of American empire, but they deleted it because he revealed the private phone number of a New York Times reporter, which is like doxing technically. So they actually should have taken it down. And he does. this is what I what gets me where politicians or even all media, they don't delete something that they later, you know, they, they should make retractions. They, they should say I was wrong. And so that's going on in Mexico and just some geopolitics headlines real quick Bloomberg talks about the great rail race to zap Zambia's copper um Washington is supporting the Lobito corridor uh, a plan to upgrade an existing line that runs to the Atlantic port of Lobito from Congo uh, and then China has its own and so we're seeing this new great game going on as well China's Xi Jinping chooses to visit Serbia this year uh, again so a lot of stuff going on and um Turkey and and Greece the U.S. is now supporting um, Turkey against Greece. There's an article titled, The U.S. has opened the back door for Turkey in the Aegean. Uh, interesting article. Um, and a lot more stuff going on. More than half of Africans have no internet. I think that's a good thing. I would not mind uh, living now in Africa where there is no internet and no algorithm ghetto are you enjoying listening to tnt do you think we're doing a good job do let us know leave a a like or a positive review or comment on facebook at gab or getter leave us a podcast uh, a review on the podcast platforms it's a big help apple Podcasts, spotify login uh, leave us a comment or five star rating help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's news talk tnt Conversations to inform and include. It's meant for everyday people to understand. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
popular fast food chain Wendy's in the U.S. is reportedly considering using the power of AI to change the prices of its menu items at various times during the day based on demand, a strategy that's already taken hold with ride-sharing companies and ticket sellers. Here with the story, joining me once again, TNT News producer Adam Clark, codename Ruckus. Thanks, Rory. This is kind of interesting. Um, according to Investopedia, dynamic pricing is a strategy by which, quote, companies set flexible prices for their products or services that change according to current market demand. Businesses are able to change prices based on algorithms that take into account competitor pricing, supply and demand, and other external factors in the market. Dynamic pricing is a common practice in several industries, such as hospitality, travel, entertainment, retail, electricity, and public transport, end quote. Uh, most folks might be aware, uh, if indeed they're aware of this at all, uh, you, that Uber does this. Uh, another phrase for dynamic pricing is, quote, unquote, surge pricing, uh, which refers to the idea that the price changes are changing during a surge uh, of high demand, basically. And that's what Wendy's is proposing to do, apparently. Uh, they're going to do this uh, so the cost of their menu items, food we're talking about, will fluctuate throughout the day on these high-tech menu boards that can update prices in real time. Uh, and the New York Post said, uh, stressed that this means a burger and fries will cost people more during the lunch or dinner rush than slower times of the day. So as long as you don't get hungry at the same time as everybody else, you're going to be okay. Uh, the Post says, I'm going to quote from their article, quoting here, the fast food chain's unappetizing plans set to be tested in a high stakes rollout next year will squeeze more money out of already inflation-battered Americans who may not have the option to eat their meals during, quote-unquote, off-peak hours. Indeed. Well well said there, NY Post. Um, during a recent investor call, the CEO of the company, I think he's fairly new, Kirk Tanner, said that the Ohio-based company will invest $20 million on the high-tech menu boards. That's just for the menus. Um, here's what he said, quote, as we continue to show the benefit of this technology in our company-operated restaurants, franchisee interest in digital menu boards should increase, further supporting sales and profit growth across the system, end quote. Uh, he did not note how high the prices could, quote-unquote, surge or whether the base price would actually fall during slower periods. According to a spokesperson, who also did not indicate if off-peak prices would be lower than current prices, quote, dynamic pricing can allow Wendy's to be excuse me, competitive and flexible with pricing, motivate customers to visit and provide them with the food they love at a great value. We will test a number of features that we think will provide an enhanced customer and crew experience, end quote. Uh, that said, Wendy's already charges vastly different prices, depending on location. In Times Square, a Dave's single costs $8.19, this is U.S. dollars, versus $5.99 at an outpost in Newark, New Jersey, according to the Post. Um Ted Jenkins, CEO of Atlantic Atlanta-based wealth management firm Oxygen Financial, told the Post, "Quote: Guess people better change their lunch hours from two to four p.m. 
with all of the concern of rising prices, the last thing you want to have to consider is how much it will cost you for a burger and fries, depending on the time of day. This isn't any better than what we are going to see than what we see going on with guilt tipping right now. It will prey on the fact that people can't remember what the price was yesterday or the week before. It isn't a Taylor Swift concert. It's a burger, fries, and a frosty, end quote. Uh, and they provided further examples of industry experts uh, and insiders who suggest this is not going to go over well. And my biggest concern, Harori, is at what point does the cost of the item start changing based on who you are and not these other things? What do you think? That is true. But what I think is, uh, I'm not kidding. I, I just start, as you were discussing, I'm, I'm getting, I'm, I'm very hungry right now, Arrakis. Um, and it, it makes me think, you know, about once or twice a month, you know, we, we, we dig in to fast food, you know, pizzas, um, I'll eat two double hamburgers. Yes, I'm a fatso. Yes, I just used a politically incorrect term. You know, I used to be uh, um, normal when I was growing up to use that, that sort of language. But um, and, you know, when I was an undergrad studying history and education in Chicago uh, and I was working as well, almost full time at a supermarket, I would go, I think, after classes or after work to, to a local Wendy's. And so. Uh, you know, on occasion, some of that stuff is it's tasty. You know, Wendy's, In-N-Out, burgers, all that um, sort of stuff. But um, it's I like to call this the Uberized dystopia. Uh, it's as you say. You know, well, I just don't like the fact that everything's being digitalized, Uberized, and as you mentioned, you know, even here in Mexico, I sense it sometimes. There's this battle in the marketplace for the yellow cab taxis and uber when i was in acapulco uber was banned because the local taxi union you go to the other parts of mexico you've got uber almost taking over lo local taxis and as you say what happens during COVID? people got banned from using uber uh airbnb and other platforms and what do you do when there's no more hotels i think this is the goal so that they do away do away with hotels and Airbnb runs the place. They do do away with taxis. Uber runs the place. And as you say, what happens if you're a thought criminal? Um, you can't use these services. I mean, we're doing homeschooling. We've got a teacher in another part of Latin America that, that, that does some online courses that my wife takes and her principal way to pay her. We still haven't paid her after like many months because I'm banned from PayPal. I can't pay her because she was using PayPal. And it's like now she, 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 we're using some other fintech in Latin America, and it's taking me literally days to register to be able to pay the teacher because of the algorithm Uberized dystopia. Your, your further thoughts? I don't know. I, do, you, do you think I'm on to something about this idea that this could be like a slow creep into the concept of specific price, dynamic pricing based on the person, their social credit score? I mean, it's taking into all these other effects currently. I mean, it's, it'd be ready to go. They wouldn't have to do anything. The, 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 the infrastructure would already be there. So that's why my spidey sense is tingling over this whole idea. It's a very strange experiment. I don't know where this is going to go, if it's going to work well for Wendy's, uh, because there is a lot of competition for them, unlike the Uber situation you were describing. They don't really like, what are you going to do about it? Not 
get a ride? So you're going to walk? I mean, like, what? <laughs> it's crazy. But, you know, like Wendy's prices, you go to Burger King. Well, what if Burger King and McDonald's and all the rest of them start doing it? Now you have no choice but to be engaged in this bizarre social credit uh, pending experiment, in my opinion. And that worries me because, you know, I'll eat my two double bacon cheeseburgers in one sitting and they're like sorry you just crossed the threshold no more burgers until next year and i'm like what to you know too many emissions right there so i guess it'll have to be mushroom burger then or what the veggie burger the guacamole avocado burger all right ruckus have a wonderful tuesday evening you can go listen to leonard skinner's tuesday's gone because Tuesday is going, going, gone. Uh, we'll be right back with Terry after this. TNT's Chris Smith. You know, there's nothing humane in the boat people, people smuggler trade. Nothing in you, nothing humane about it or compassionate about it at all. This has always been one of the great delusions of the left. And if they didn't learn that lesson from the tragedy of the uh, Rudd and Gillard government, when over a thousand people drowned on, on, on the oceans, to the north of Australia. If they didn't learn that lesson about a thousand people, including women and children drowning, well, they're very slow learners and they're bound to repeat that mistake. But that's because their ideology superseded the practicalities of the issue, right? Yeah, absolutely. Albanese from the left was always ideologically bound, almost fanatical, hysterical, about saying, if you don't believe in taking all the refugees, then you're some sort of barbarian, a racist, a bigot from Western Sydney. Chris Smith on today's News Talk TNT. The Light is Britain's far-right conspiracy theory paper spreading hate and vicious lies. No, that's what the BBC say. The Light is the only national newspaper bringing you the real news and informed opinion on what's really going on today. You can subscribe, order copies, submit articles and read back issues on our website thelightpaper.co.uk and see for yourself why the establishment are so worried about the uncensored truth getting out to people every month. The Light Paper. Not for right, just right so far. thelightpaper.co.uk At the top of the hour, we'll keep on top of the news. It's the most important thing we can do. On today's News Talk, TNT Radio. All right, we've got the guest this hour, someone we haven't spoken to in quite a while, Mr. Terry Wolf, what's happening? Uh, uh, what's going on? Yeah, I was just, uh, you know, just hanging out, decided to do the second hour, and um, I'm excited because we got a lot to talk about still. And I guess that's unfortunate, actually, considering the types of topics that we cover. But, um, yeah, there's there's definitely more to get into right away. Yeah, you know, last night I had a great guest as well from Canada. I don't know if you know him, Stefan Verstappen um he's he's no. like he's older now but he was um uh i i looked him up he's got many books um 35 plus years in martial arts uh he's been to like he's been in china for four years and so i think was a well-known figure and a survivalist uh so he he's very cool although i think he's on the eastern end of canada you're more in the western and so very interesting a canadian he was on mike adams's new natural or was it uh his, his show on Brighty on the other day. But anyways, there's, you know, just more Canada news. Um, and I got sent this from the author himself, Cosmin Georgia, who's been a guest on, the, on my show, uh, who writes for True North, which is a great Canadian publication. And Cosmin was in Davos as well. Hopefully we get him on to 
get more of his thoughts. But this article says liberals online hate bill contains $70,000 fine for speech and life imprisonment for hate crimes. So in a move aimed at curbing the spread of what it terms online hate, the liberal government in Canada has revealed its plan, including hefty fines for online uh, speech. Um, it's called Online Harms Act. Um, and basically it says, among the categories of harmful content identified are materials that incite violent extremism, terrorism, promote violence or foment, um, hatred. Uh, and um, basically it's like a slippery slope I think it says the bill would raise the maximum punishments for the for for the hate propaganda offenses from five years to life. So I don't, I can't even understand. So you you could be potentially citing the Bible and spend half a decade to life in prison. I think you know we we know how this works. So and Cosman sent me this. He said like we're screwed. Like he was alarmed that this was going. Through and the Western world's trying to, in in tandem, you know, implement this this sort of stuff. Your 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 reaction? Yeah, I at first when I saw this, I thought, well, okay, there's probably already some hate speech stuff, and there's you know, it's probably not going to be that different from what we've already seen. But the more I look at it, the more it is. This could be sort of the the turning point where it becomes very totalitarian and. Um, and like you said, anyone preaching the Bible, anything like that, because this is all opening the door to a very subjective um, prosecution of people. You know, it's because it, it, it says here, like um, it, it talks about the list of things. Uh, you can't discriminate against protected categories such as gender, race, disability and others. Well, gender now does not mean man and woman. We know that it's it's. 97 different genders that, uh, you know, so if you're discriminating or saying something online that could be interpreted as discriminating against those protected categories, now suddenly you're guilty of a hate speech. Um, and the idea of fomenting hate being equal to inciting people to violent terrorism and acts and genocide and these very real physical things you would be inciting people to. Uh, they're making an equivalency between that and so-called fomenting hate, which is just anything you want it to be. It could just be literally saying, I think the, the Liberal Party is corrupt and and they're bad. It's like, well, is that fomenting hate towards them? You know, and then could you extrapolate that to mean, well, if you're fomenting hate now, you you must want them to die and you must that's sort of inciting violence and it's it's a very slippery slope sort of bill it says stuff like anybody will also be able to file a complaint against others for posting hate speech online um so this can be an anonymous reporting system and then it says uh the tribunal that is set up for this will also have powers to hide the identity of those who bring complaints against anybody whom they deem to have posted online hate speech. So this is destroying the very basic concept of the Magna Carta sort of ancient law that you get to know who your accusers are. This is Kafka-esque um, fact checkers that are hired by George Soros or Bill Gates can come in and report you for hate speech. They get protected. You have to now... Uh, hide their identity it says um, additionally it can compel those who face complaints 
to not reveal the identity of those who are involved when the discovery process of the legal thing happens. So even if you find out it was a George Soros front company that accused you and reported you, you're legally uh, silenced and you can't say that that's who was accusing you. So this is like a nightmarish Kafka-esque scenario where somebody who's just preaching a normal message, even though we supposedly have the Charter of Rights and Freedoms that protects people's religious beliefs. It specifically says in there that you should not have any fear of reprisal or hindrance. I put that in my books. At the beginning of my books, I say it very clearly. These are my religious beliefs, and I'm protected by the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms. This is now saying uh, that you can be compelled to protect the identity of those who falsely accuse you, uh, and then you have to go through this trial where you have to, I guess, prove that you're not hateful in your heart when you made a criticism. It's it's a very strange bill, and I hope this thing gets killed on the spot and, and takes not one step further. Pierre Poliev responded to True North uh, for a question and said, what, what does Justin Trudeau mean when he says the worst hate speech? He means speech. He hates and LifeSite News, Catholic publication, I mentioned it earlier this week. They were also, I think, commenting on this same bill where they're saying, you know, you can quote from the New Testament, even the Old Testament. It says homosexuality is a sin. If a man lays with another man or a woman with another woman, it also has comments on bestiality and things like that. And those are sins, morally incorrect, as as is adultery, right? Or other, you know, sins related to the heterosexual world. Uh, and now if you, I guess, under this bill, there's a Mexican politician. I've told this story before. This was like a couple of years ago during COVID. In the state of Colima, a Christian Mexican politician quoted these same quotes from the Bible on her personal Facebook page. She just put right, the quote. Yeah. She lost her job as a Mexican, as a politician in Mexico. This has already happened in Mexico. Now in Canada, they're enshrining this into law. Um, or it could be other, you know, stuff. I, I don't like your hairstyle. <laughs> you know, I I don't know. Just, you know, they, they'll get... There's that comedian, the Canadian comedian who made a bad joke about the Make-A-Wish Foundation, and he he was fined like 100 grand. It's absolute, absolute insanity, and it's time for our headlines. Now, I've got news for you. Give me the news. Get it. TNT Radio News. News flash. For TNT, this is James O'Neill. France has initiated a coalition dedicated to supplying Ukraine with medium and long-range missiles and bombs, as stated by President Emmanuel Macron. The Home Affairs Committee has highlighted in a report that pro-Palestine protests are significantly straining police resources, already under pressure. A prominent law professor warned that Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis' case against former President Donald Trump appears to be unraveling amid questions over her relationship with Special Prosecutor Nathan Wade. Globalist agendas, democratic rights at risk, corruption, propaganda, it never stops. 
for the news and views silenced by the mainstream media, by government and corporations. Vote one. TNT Radio. Free speech always has a home here. Stay up to date with the latest live news and current affairs delivered by our lineup of expert commentators and hosts. Listen to TNT Radio anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk. This is TNT Radio. So Terry sent me this clip this week. And at first glance, I thought, I don't know, you know, I don't know who this person is. This, they're forming a new political party in Canada. And I looked at part of the speech. And then it just clicked like this is actually important. Uh, you know, back again, one of my favorite topics is world governments, supranationalism, globalism. And, you know, way back in March of 2020, if people recall Spiros Kouras, who had a big channel, um, that was twice the platform. He's still on Twitter, but he doesn't really put out content anymore. I was on his show uh, and I was saying how March 2020, that COVID was about um, basically to bring in world government, to bring in technocracy and to bring in algocracy more specifically, because I was reading the white papers by people like Phil Torres. His book is on my my bookshelf. I've, I've interviewed him. He's a hardcore atheist um, that pushes... These things they talk about existential risk, and and they're pushing climate changeism and technocracy. And there was a white paper by Nick Bostrom, where Nick Bostrom says we need a totalitarian world government run by algocracy, run by the algorithm. We have to have a global world state with surveillance and AI. We can't trust people, so we need the the algorithm, the the yeah. the software to run everything. And that's what technocracy is. You read Patrick Wood, scientific dictatorship, technocracy, do away with humans because we can't trust them. They're incompetent. The, the software works better, right? Technocracy is removing politicians and having the science run, the government run everything. And then I interviewed an anarchopolko. And again, I'm not individually, you know, I'm, I'm just putting this out there. Vit Jedlička, the, the president of Liberland, which is right next to Croatia, um, and he was saying how they're setting up blockchain to the governments. Everything's going to be run by blockchain. And now what you just sent this lady, I don't, again, I don't know. I have to dig into this more. Kellyanne Wolf is the CEO of the Canadian Democratic Defense Association. She held a news conference uh, recently in Ottawa to launch a na national campaign for a proposed political party. And guess what? They want to run it on blockchain. And now you're, we're seeing a pattern form, right? Terry, this is what we're talking about. Liberland, Canada. We know that the elite's goal has been algocracy. And so let's play this clip where they, where Kelly um, and her partner are in the political party are, are talking about this. This system is gonna be built with modern technology on blockchain so that every single Canadian will be able to govern themselves from the palm of their hand. We are gonna introduce a form of direct democracy so that there will be ethical compliance on all levels of government. So I hope that every Canadian out there participates. We have MPs who are working with across the entire country who are in full support of this. And to all Canadians out there, this will test the ethics of your representatives. Partisan politics have become obsolete. 
They are the doorway for foreign and corporate interference. And it's time for us to take responsibility and control of our own future and, and the future of our children. With that, I'd like to introduce my partner for all of the tech for Evolve Blockchain, which is the name of, uh, of the new political structure. And this is Richie Marquez. Thank you. Thank you for that. Throughout history, humanity has repeatedly faced challenges. In each of these instances, we have come together, we have innovated, and we have evolved. Drawing inspiration from our past, we are poised to do exactly that once again. It is time to address the current lack of accountability, leadership, and representation by building something transformative, the evolved blockchain and evolved voting model. This groundbreaking initiative represents a first of its kind, hybrid blockchain backed by physical assets, meticulously crafted for security, trustlessness, and most importantly, for you, the people. No longer will you confine to the traditional, just trust me. Don't trust, verify. Verify that every vote has been counted for. Ensure your voice has been heard and that the people that are there to represent you actually represent you. The era for the mere discussion about change has passed. Now we embark on the journey of the construction of this platform and this voting model. You will have the tools to drive real change in this country. The responsibility now lies with every single one of you. A tool is only useful if it's used. A shovel cannot dig without someone using it. So this technology, this model will give you the power to tell your representatives exactly what you want. And accountability, because they know exactly what you've told them, and if they choose not to do so, then that's on them. And you can easily see who is there for you and who is there for their own personal interests. We deserve better psyops. Terry, I've been like waiting for this for over a decade. And here it is. It's like, okay, we know they want technocracy and they're going to need like this new tech to run. The, and here they're rolling it out. Like you can't, you can't fool us seriously, but what's your reaction? I'm well, first of all, I'm impressed that you picked out exactly what I was. I didn't really tell you why I sent you that, but I was, that's exactly what I was thinking is, is I don't know who this person is either. I mean, uh, Kellyanne Wolf, no relation to me. Um, you know this this new political party the the cdda and the the technical thing like the idea that you don't have to trust anybody because this this blockchain exists is the same problem i have with bitcoin itself which is that it's an invisible technical thing that's so far removed from me i have no way of auditing it i have no way of examining it it's a technological solution if they want to manipulate the results Everything digital is ironically more susceptible to manipulation than physical paper ballots. You know, we could see that 2000 Mules documentary where, you know, these people are showing up at night with handfuls of papers and trying to stuff it into ballot boxes and stuff. That's kind of old fashioned manipulation of trying to, and then they get caught on camera because somebody physically has to go there and do that. And there's physical counting stations and stuff. Of course, it's corrupt. Of course, it's a broken system. But this, you have no way of even telling what's going on in this uh, invisible blockchain system. So I don't want to accuse this person of 
you know, being part of a conspiracy or having any negative intentions, maybe they truly do believe this is the solution. And I'm sure if you talk to young people, especially, they would think this is the most natural, obvious way to go. So I would just like to hear more from her and more from these people and see where they get their money from, who actually designed these things, what's really going on. And basically, they have to be deeply scrutinized if they think they're going to make any progress on this, because there's no way I'm going to trust them to implement an entirely new democratic system. I'm going to try and see if I can get her on. Um, and yeah, as you say, again, there's nuance. Nothing, Not everything is black and white. Um, just because I shook hands with Mikhail Gorbachev doesn't make me a globalist like like he was, um, you know. And again, she again, there are people that really drink the Kool Aid, or they're they're not even aware of this stuff. You know, we've been talking about how in alt media now we've got um, wolves in sheep's clothing uh, in in alt media, and you know, there's different categories. There's there's people that are you know, globalist agents. There are people who are just grifting. People just want to make money. Uh, others who are not completely unaware of this stuff and get caught up in it. Uh, and then those there are those of us that can see right through <laughs> all of these shenanigans. And but you, you're, you, we see the pattern here with Lieberland, with this now. Now you can expect in other countries to see similar political parties. Some of them probably already exist. Where they want to promote, right. you know, government run by um, algorithm, and so let's jump to your Substack. You got a recent Substack titled "The Irrational and the Inconceivable." You talk about psychopolitics. What's going on here? Yeah, so this is an ongoing part of my series where I I sort of do a thought experiment of where we are and where I think things are going to be in the future, in the near future, and uh, so. I wrote this to try to help people understand the level of psychology that's going on today in, in politics. Psychopolitics is sort of a, a term that um, I find useful because it it's about politics of the identity. You know, identity politics is just a form of psychopolitics. And so the idea that instead of talking about policies, people are talking about identities and, you know, I have an example here of Trump, like we talked about with his shiny golden sneakers that he's selling. It's very much a brand that you literally are wearing that has the T on the side for Trump. And it's like, I am a Trump guy. That's my identity. It's not about policies. It's not about specific things he's going to be doing. He doesn't really have a platform. He just has an identity that he's selling. That's psychopolitics. But then I link that with this RT article that we mentioned a while back, superstition and taboo, Germany retreats into the Middle Ages as its economy declines. And it talks about this green cult that is springing up where they're replacing sound political decisions and studies and real research with this ideology, this irrational ideology that if we just sort of band together and hope enough, we can, you know, change the world and prevent climate. Uh, collapse and and ecological disaster, and so I'm I'm using those as the framework. When you combine those two things, the psychopolitics with this irrationality, as as things get worse in the world, people tend to become more irrational. Instead of looking for the rational solution to things, they tend to herd around sort of paranoid delusions and and these grand visions and stuff like that. And I believe that that's how. People are going to be increasingly manipulated as, as they know 
as the social engineers, the conspiracy, whatever you want to call them, as you know that they're making things worse and worse, they also know that people are going to try to basically form these religious cult-like solutions that they think are solutions. And uh, so like, and then it, as this idea progresses, I think, especially from the, the Christian point of view, one of the big things on people's mind are the mark of the beast and this idea that our algocracy, our digital IDs, all these things are going to lead ultimately to this control system that the Bible referred to as the mark of the beast. And for me, that's a big one because um, I don't believe it is a technical or scientific thing. I don't think the mark of the beast is going to be a piece of technology, but that's already been implanted in people's heads so deeply um, that it's very hard to counter that without sounding like you're just sort of shilling for the mark of the beast or whatever. But um, yeah, I don't know what you took from this, but at the irrational and the inconceivable, for me, it's about the way the trauma and fear feeds into modern day politics and identity politics. Yeah, there's a lot there. And, you know, I, I maybe you would agree or somewhat that I, I don't think, as you mentioned, the mark of the beast is necessarily technical. I think in some ways it's been with us throughout the ages and that maybe it will make its appearance in some technical form or, or what I've been alluding to recently, you know, facial recognition and the palm payments. Mm. That could be very well be uh, an externalization of the mark of the beast where it's not physically implanted into you, but they just scan your face or your palm which will be used, you know, for public or public private services. And but if you're not ideologically in tune with the regime, the scan, then you you you'll be denied access. So that's not, you know, in some ways that is technical. It's not. But in past, you know, in the Holy Roman Empire, I found primary sources which said if you don't believe the same as the Roman Catholic Church at that time, um, you can't buy or sell. That's another manifestation of the or in the Roman Empire or in the Nazi regime or in the Soviet Union. Or during the COVIDism, you know, it's it's all um, the same principle of the of the mark of the beast um, system. And uh, I, I would also add, uh, I, I like where you write. We can joke about the state of the world, share memes, and even swap stories about how we've personally been inconvenienced by the crumbling of the old system of ethics. But I wonder how people will cope when things get medieval. I talked about this yesterday with Canadian survivalist Stefan Verstappen, who said. You know, he's been around since the, the 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 nuclear scare in the Cold War. They're just scaring us, and people. He doesn't listen to alt media anymore either. He says people there, and you see people just grifting in alt media, scaring you every day. The five G is going to get you. The nukes, this and that, and it's just like, as you say, we need. And as Rick Moon says, our, our Irish colleague here on TNT, uh, here on TNT, you know, you, you got to stay sane. And it's coming from the establishment media, and it's also coming from alt media. It's like a a pincer <laughs> attack, and it's just like mm -hmm. take a deep breath, chill out, and it's time for our break. We'll be right back. Deweaponizing weather with reality and perspective. The weather across the United States has turned exactly opposite what I thought it would turn. It's become very, very warm. Now, the reason this is happening is because the water around Australia 
has warmed dramatically and unpredictably warmed dramatically. And this creates a different phase of the Madden-Julian oscillation than what I anticipated happening before the winter. You see, the computer models, and we have to use them to look at sea surface temperatures, weren't predicting anything like this. This sudden warming happened in January, but not be from man-made sources. It had to be something natural going on that we don't know about. In any case, people are blaming climate change. I have no problem with that. The climate is changing. It's been changing. It will always change. But when people start saying you are a denier, all they're doing is using ad hominem attacks to try to equate you with the miserable people that denied what happened in the Holocaust. And that should raise red flags as to what these people are all about. Climate change is real. It is 99.9% .9 natural. And the impact of man has very little to do with it. And there is no denying that. This is T. TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog, meteorologist Joe Bastardi, asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you got. Hi. I'm your retirement fear. But don't be scared. You're still in pretirement. Does that mean I have more time to plan? Precisely. Here, this is pretirement.org. Retirement savings options? <laughs> Potential tax breaks? Ooh. This isn't scary. I'm doing it. You got this. Visit thisispretirement.org for free resources to help you customize your action plan. This is the Hervoy Moritz Show on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. All right, our final segment with Terry today, and we're talking about your latest Substack. Um, and what else was I going to um, add? I think that that was pretty much it, that people are going to, oh, that people are going to start freaking out as things get medieval even in the dissident crowd. Yeah, I met some dissidents at Anarchapulco, the anti-globalist meeting. One guy was full on into biohacking and transhumanism. Uh, right. Other people that I talked to were desperate. They were looking for God and they were looking to do psychedelics and, and bufo to find God and meaning in their life. And as I've mentioned, I believe it's, it's kind of getting cultish. There's people now pre preaching Gnostic Theosophic religion at these anti-globalist events, and so again, pe people are getting desperate and and just looking in their desperation, looking for answers. And so, yeah. Any final thought on that before we talk about another Canadian, Tom Green? Yeah, and one of the things I'm, I'm currently trying to make people aware of is exactly that: the way that fear plays into people's uh, ability to think clearly. Um, you know. As I say in this article, discomfort creates cognitive dissonance. We we mentally bypass unpleasant truths. Fear creates a trance. We become hypnotized by the thing we want to avoid most. Horror creates shock. We become so traumatized that we disengage and become confused. These are sort of psychological principles that we need to be looking for. And, and basically a form of mania or madness spreading in different circles. You saw Mercola you know, taking advice, uh, very serious, real-world advice, not just personal beliefs, but actual advice on how to run things from a, a spirit channeler. Um, and like you said, there's people doing spirit journeys and psychedelics and all these things in order to try to find answers. It becomes religious at some point. And that's, what, that's why I keep talking about it. It's not just because I have a grudge against other religions. It's because this is what happens when you don't have your spiritual 
religious framework already, you're going to start to find yourself getting sucked into cult-like solutions. And one of the things I say here is as the irrational creeps towards the inconceivable, meaning as society gets worse and actually becomes medieval and becomes like we were saying tribunals where people are getting locked up for life for saying basic things about you know the bible or sin or something like that it's only natural that information will have less impact and interpretation will become more important um, i actually say that we're going from the age of information to the age of interpretation that people who can interpret the complexities and, and craziness of the modern world um, they are going to become more empowered and facts and knowledge and traditional objective reporting like we do is going to become less important as people get sucked into these cults where everything is seen through a very particular cult-like lens and through that lens everything will make sense to them because of their identity and that's where the psychopolitics comes in the, the identity management and all these psyops that uh, sort of build up these parallel narratives that they're trapping people in it, it's a very interesting world of psyops basically yeah and i don't know i think uh yeah i think we pretty much covered the waterfront there uh and i wanted to talk about my bum being on the swedish i'm just kidding uh tom green i grew up listening to canadian um comedian tom green he's got some silly songs where it's called like my bum is on he goes around town or he puts his bum with this oversized like costume uh bum and my bum is on the swedish is one of the choruses but he was hilarious back in the day he seems less funny now it seemed like he disappeared for a while um and he was on joe rogan recently probably if i get time this weekend i'll watch the entire episode but there was a clip where they were discussing the Freedom Convoy uh, in Canada during COVID-1984 and J6, the Fed instigated false flag, um, quote, insurrection. And it seemed like Green Tom Green was comparing the Freedom Convoy to J6, trying to make it look like it was a bad thing when we know that the Freedom Convoy was basically, you know, pure Canadians resisting this covid totalitarianism having their bank accounts frozen etc and so let, let's play this clip and get your thoughts on uh tom green and joe rogan what what um you know what is sort of a comparable thing i think was you know what you know in the united states they on january was it january 6th they mm -hmm. you know they did more than freeze those people's bank accounts right they threw them all in jail right so they threw a lot of them in know, jail yeah so yeah. it's sort of i'd say it's like a comparison comparable thing it's like i guess that's the thing i just kind of no that's different feel is it's like that's, hold there's on sort of hold comparisons, on hold on right? hold on first of all it's different because <laughs> yeah. they entered into the capitol building right right you're not supposed to do that yeah they a lot of people broke glass yeah. they smashed windows they mm -hmm. did a lot of shit. it was also it's not comparable because it seems like they were instigated in some way, yeah, at least partially, by by people in the audience that wanted them to go in there. Yeah. Now, whether those people were federal agents, or whether those people are Antifa, or whether those people are Democratic operatives that want to turn this into chaos because it's a great way to attack Donald Trump. Yeah. Whatever it was, there definitely was people that were instigating people to get into the building. There's video recordings of it. There's also weird instances of cops opening gates, letting yeah. people in. Mm -hmm. The fact that oh, it yeah. was 
severely underpoliced. Mm-hmm. When they had the George Floyd protest, the Black Lives Matter protest, they had way more cops there for yeah. that than yeah. they did for this crazy thing where the dude is denying the election and his rabid fans are going to show up and you're not prepared for this? That right. seems the whole thing seems like if I was going to make a playbook, if I was going to instigate a bunch of dumbasses to go do something really stupid because it will make their leader look like a fascist and, and Hitler, mm-hmm. that's how I would do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you have that too. Yeah. It's not as simple as the trucker protest was a legitimate protest where a bunch of people were like, why are you telling me that I have to take this experimental medic- medication or I can't work? Yeah. yeah. Like where is the fucking information? Where is th- – and now – over time, we've seen now that the, the you know the, the the studies that they did do, they don't have to release them for like seventy five years. Mm-hmm. You know about all that, like yeah, all yeah. the the paperwork involving mm-hmm. the vaccines. Yeah. What is what is the exact ruling of like what information they're withholding for seventy five years? Let's be real clear on that. But then it's also. How many people we know that got injured by it? Yeah. You're, you're smart to be reluctant to do something that's new, given the history and track record of pharmaceutical drugs in this country. And just given Joe Rogan's rant and reaction there, it seemed like he was pushing back against Tom Green. Your thoughts on, on this and, and as well as in general, like do people still remember Tom Green in Canada? Oh, yeah. I, I'm, he's he's uh, a well-known figure and I also grew up watching him, listening to him. He had some internet shows way before anyone else doing internet online shows and stuff like that. And uh, the thing when I watched the full sort of more context of that discussion is that Tom Green was trying to say that there's almost exact parallels between Canadian politics and American politics, that everybody who likes Justin Trudeau likes Joe Biden, everybody who hates him likes Trump, and and that there's there's an equivalency for each thing, I think is the point he was trying to make. Except in Canada, it's sort of, you know, it took on the form of this trucker protest. And he was, I think he was trying to make a simpler point that it was just, there was an an outrage in the American side where they went into the Capitol. Um, I don't think he was trying to say that the trucker convoy was criminal or deserved to be punished. Although he was saying that it was very disruptive and he thought it was sad. And it was like a, because he grew up in Ottawa, right by the Capitol building and stuff. So I don't think he was trying to poo-poo the trucker convoy as much as he was just trying to say that it's sort of taking on the same sort of uh, feeling as American politics. And um, But he did definitely sound out of touch. Like He didn't seem like he was uh, aware of how serious things were. And, um, and, and, you know, but he's not a political guy. So he's, he's a very sensitive guy, actually, uh, for as much as he's a comedian. He's, he tries to avoid stepping on um these heavy issues as much and so i I kind of felt bad for him because he got the, both barrels from joe rogan there but at the same time i think he was just trying to say that like canadian politics is the same as as americans we have the same sort of um resentment against the the liberal left taking this overreach sort of uh, and and so i don't know that's the takeaway i had from it it just made me think of my recent experience i was a guest on dan dan fournier's new podcast he's, he's been my guest on tnt for another canadian and i just look at the comments on his Substack, and some commenter wrote i don't trust that croatian guy sorry yes he says what we want to hear of course another person chimes in limited hangout no one finds success in so many luciferian institutions i was talking about how i went to a lucis trust meeting 
he's not telling about telling the truth about why he was in Mongolia. And I'm like, are you people serious? <laughs> like, a secret just, mission? <laughs> I'm like, unbelievable. Like the way they're so dismissive, I feel like they're in a cult. And it's the same thing with Tom Green, where unfortunately, out of context, it, you know, as you, if, if it's true, as you say, when things are taken out of context for, you know, people in mainstream or us in alt media, immediately some people have this crazy view and I'm like, <sighs> You know, I someone like on try Twitter. to check that check check the context. I mean, and, and do a little bit more homework. That's that's what I'm talking about. The age of information declines, and the age of interpretation gets stronger. It's it's like you see things through a certain lens, and you don't actually bother doing the research. You just sort of jump to the conclusion because that fits with the narrative that you've had already. Yeah, we're 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 out of time, Terry. Where do we go to find you, your projects, and 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 so forth? Uh, go to wolfpox.com if you want to get the actual books and links to my social media, my YouTube and everything like that. But if you want to just check my Substack where I do a lot of my work now, that's winterchristian.substack.com. Not Christian winter.substack, as Mike Eden would, would say. All right, catch up with you next week. Uh, we'll see what the, the week brings us. Steve Malsberg is up next. Uh, I'm signing off. Until next time.